the most important thing is to identify your values, your objectives, your priorities, where you want to be in the future and not spend any money or hire anybody or invest in anything until you know the mission of your family, your values and priorities and your culture and your wealth creation story, because otherwise you're going to hire the wrong person or waste money or someone's going to create a game plan for you that's good for them and not for you. And you'll be wasting time and money if you don't really identify what your family stands for. You won't know who to hire and fire or even where to face your family office. Did you know that you might need to start your own family office? And if you do not know what a family office is, today is a show where you are going to learn a lot and maybe many ways to help you protect your wealth that you have worked so hard to build. Don't forget to like and subscribe, leave comments so it helps share the show with others who can benefit. Today, our guest is an expert in starting family offices. He has helped create over 100 family offices. He runs Billionaires.com, CommercialRealEstate.com, and has authored 13 books over the last 14 years. He's the founder of the Family Office Club, the largest ultra-wealthy investor network globally. His name is Richard Wilson. He's created over 100 family offices, like I mentioned, but he also works with over 500 passive investors through InvestorClub.com, a platform that he created many years ago. Today, we are going to get into what a family office is, but also when and who should have a family office, how you begin and start to structure your own family office. We're going to get into what some family offices right now are investing in and why, and then also the partnership with operators like listeners like you and I, and what that looks like, how to begin that partnership, what they're looking for, and maybe some myths around what you currently have heard about working with family offices. And then at the end of the show, I enjoyed this section personally a lot with Richard. We talked about him more and not just family offices, but how he's built this brand a little bit and some personal things that have helped him to stay disciplined, right? And moving forward and accomplishing so much. I know you are going to learn a lot. And we also he lays out a thing at the end where if you do this thing and you send me a copy and I'm going to make you listen to the show to figure it out. But the first one that does this is going to get a gift from me personally. And you're going to like it. You're going to like this gift because I want some people to take action. And I want to see you do this thing that he has laid out that's worked for him. You're going to hear us talk about it towards the end of the show. I know you are going to learn a lot today and your business is going to improve because of listening to today's show. Good morning, Richard, and welcome to the show. Honored to have you on. I've heard nothing but amazing things over many years now. I can't believe you and I haven't met before now, but you have become just the expert around family offices and what that even means. And oftentimes, you know, or actually we've talked about it a few times on the show. Can't believe out of 1,200 episodes, we've not talked about it more than we have. However, I know there's listeners who wonder, like, what is a family office? And is that something I should be pursuing? That type of thing to, to work with or to partner with us, is that even an option? Maybe we can go over some pros and cons today because I know you know those ins and outs. But give the listeners a little bit, obviously, about yourself in case they haven't heard of you before and Family Office Club and some of the things you've done. You've written so many books around this topic as well, and I'm looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, sure. I'll get the real short version. If you think anyone cares to know more, I'm happy to answer questions. So 2007, I started this investment club. It's called the Family Office Club. And a family office is an ultra-wealthy solution to managing their balance sheet and their portfolio, by the way. So a family office club is a community. We have people on one side, a 1,000 members who pay for charter membership that are raising capital. And on the other side, we have 3,000-plus private investors who come to our live events and are always 
texting, emailing, calling me to get deals done. We have helped set up over 100 family offices for ultra wealthy families. We work with everything from billionaires. We just signed a $300 million JV term sheet with a billionaire four days ago. We work with the Shark from Shark Tank. We just closed our second deal with them two Fridays ago. We also work with high net worth investors who are worth $2 million, $5 million, $10 million net worth, et cetera. But over the last 14 years, I've written 13 books. I've hosted 150 conferences ourselves, and I've spoken at a couple hundred more in about 15 countries. And we just have found the more that we give on the niche of family offices, the more that we get back. You know, just like your podcasts, you know how that path goes. So we just try to be as helpful as possible. And long term, you know, if we do business together, great. If not, then we're happy to help you. That's awesome, Richard. You have just a wealth of information and knowledge experience in this industry. And so I want to jump in and be a little basic in the beginning, but then maybe, you know, we'll dive in a little more. And just to explain to the listeners, though, what a family office is, and it seems so simple, right, to you and I know to probably some listening. However, many people have never heard of that and are probably wondering, like, a family office, like, what is that? I know you briefly said it, but maybe explain a little bit about, you know, who's going to have a family office? Why would they have a family office? And we'll dive into some of the pros and cons even working with a family office. Yeah. And first off, a family office is not an office in your basement of your house. <laughs> I just want to get that across super clear. Some of my best friends and family members, I still, still think probably I set up businesses in people's basements or something, but that's not what it is. A family office is a ultra wealthy wealth management and investment solution People who are worth 10, 20, 30 million, and even more often when you're worth 50 or 100 million plus. And there's three types of family offices that makes them easier to understand. There are virtual family offices, which are very lean, single family offices, very lean family offices made for one person typically. And you maybe one full-time person or half-time person, everything else is outsourced and you keep it very lean and focused. A single family office is typically when you get to 30 to 50 million net worth or much more, we have to several billion dollars in net worth. And again, it's a team made just for you. If you made your money in manufacturing, then maybe you just want to invest proactively in manufacturing, cash flow in real estate, a little bit of real estate development, and then hire a private bank or multifamily office wealth management group to manage your publicly traded assets if that's not where you created your wealth, for example. So a single family office might have three or five or 200 full-time employees within the single family office. And there's multifamily offices where are just wealth management firms that are geared towards people that are worth 10, 20, 30 million plus. They might have 20 clients, might have 200, but they focus more on intergenerational planning, more on proactive tax planning, estate planning, and just managing all the chaos going around what an ultra wealthy family has to face. Last thing that's really important to mention is that most people don't know what a family office is, even if they are ultra wealthy and they should have one. So most people who are worth $100 million don't really know what a family office is yet because it's just a term that's been used more frequently in the last decade here. So you may meet people who are wealthy enough to have a family office and they don't. It doesn't mean that they're less powerful to work with. Those are the types we're referring to when we talk about family office investors. Okay. Tell me the third one again. What did you call the third type? Multi-family office. So basically means like serving multiple families within one family office solution, just like a wealth management firm, but more ultra wealthy focused. Okay. No, that's awesome. Just three types. I love thinking through that a little bit. So ultimately, once you create that kind of wealth within your family, right, your own net worth, you're going to have a full-time staff that's helping you manage that. That's ultimately what this family office is doing. Is that accurate? 
Right. That is basically the real function of it is to be more holistic. So think about the problems you might have if you're worth $1 million. And if you miss a tax deadline or you don't sell something at the right time and you sell it a, a day too late in 2022 versus 2021, and then Biden tax laws are retroactive back to January 1st or something, then that little mistake might cost you $2,400. But if you're worth $100 million, that one mistake might cost you $200,000. So you can easily make $1 million mistakes if you're worth 50 or $100 million. So the cost of every mistake is greater. You have tons of employees. One of my clients has 140 different LLCs they have to track and keep updated. One of my other clients had seven different IRS audits going on in different states and different years at the federal level. And one of my clients has 4,000 employees. So not only are the mistakes more expensive, you're much more likely to make a mistake. So keeping in mind what your CPA told you in February or April, keeping that in mind when you meet with your wealth advisor and your insurance agent and keeping it all straight and having to do the quarterback of everything, it's just not practical. It breaks down and the costs of that are very expensive when you make mistakes at that level. That makes complete sense. I appreciate that explanation because I think that's helpful for the listeners and myself to just understand, hey, it's almost a different world, right? When you're worth a hundred million versus a million or less and making, like you said, a small mistake like that could easily employ lots of people to help you do it right, right? I think it's hard to visualize or to comprehend employing, say, 200 people just in your family office. But when you have that kind of net worth, hey, a mistake could easily pay for that level of employee and number of employees. Yeah, I think that it's important to point out, though, so there might be some people listening to this that are like, oh, you know, I'm worth 2 million or 5 million or 7 million, so I can't relate to this. The main thing that I've been taking away from this, because I started this business in a basement studio apartment that was about 300 square feet in Harvard Square, and I didn't have enough money in my bank account to pay rent that month when I started this business. So my whole motivation since then until now, and now we have 20 employees and we're doing 5 million a year in revenue and closing on deals every couple of weeks with investors. Like my motivation is to learn from these winners in the game of capitalism and the way that they grow their wealth leaves clues for other people in growing their wealth. The way they organize their ideas and execute on strategies and build their business platforms, the way that they focus their energy on investments, which meet certain criteria that I can talk about if people want to hear that. That is what motivates me to put all the work into running our 15 to 20 live events per year. Like on Monday, we're going to have 800 people at our annual investment club conference. And I scripted every one of the nine discussion panels. Every question that's going to be asked are things I want to know from these investors. So I don't want this to seem foreign to those that are worth 2 million or 1 million or 5 million. I want it to be more inspiring and educational. Happening on January 20th and 21st is Denver's biggest real estate event, the next big thing. And it's shaking up how real estate professionals will define business success. This two-day event will give you tools so you can catapult your own business. The keynote is Ryan Serhant. Register now at thenextbigthingcolorado.com and use the code RESS to get $150 off. Yeah, I am personally going to that event. I just want the listeners to know that I'm looking forward to that myself and in learning from Richard and all the guests that he is bringing together. So Richard, you talked about it a little bit there and talking about you know, somebody that's worth say five to seven million or maybe you know, there's probably listeners who are worth eight to 10 million or more as well. When should they 
consider creating their own family office and maybe give them a first couple steps in thinking through that? Yeah, sure. So I think that when you start getting to between five and 10 million net worth, you should start thinking of at least having some of the functionality of a family office in place. Because at that point, you've gone beyond, okay, I have my home, my business has this net worth, I have some money in my IRA or stock market, and you could go beyond just buying one rental property or two rental properties at that point, or a doctor or someone who's making seven figures in profit, for example, once you get the six to 700,000 in consistent income, you should start thinking about it. And the reason is that you're just going to be more effective in defending yourself against big expensive mistakes. You're also going to be more effective. And so what family offices typically learn over seven to 10 years, the hard way is that you can't control everything. And it's usually not good to control nothing. So if your whole dream is to go sit on a beach and do absolutely nothing the rest of your life, and you just sold your fintech company yesterday to Facebook, then okay, then someone can help you design that. But typically, families are entrepreneurial, first-generation families. For someone who used to be in the CEO, they like the challenge of business, the fun of it. They don't want to stop now after all, all the hard work of getting to where they are. They see that as just a plateau. And so it's usually best to play offense in just one or two areas that you know really well have full control and really having a good defense by playing offense there and growing your net worth within the niche that you have distribution or exposure, et cetera. And then typically every family that I work with wants real estate, you know, depends on their appetite for it, but usually 25%, sometimes up to 50% real estate in their portfolio as a percentage of their net worth is cash flowing, some development, and then public market exposure, which is the most passive usually, unless you made your money in public markets. And so there's those three levels, the aggressive full control, the moderate, I'm going to pick the food group, maybe even pick out the assets with an independent sponsor, real estate portfolio, and then a highly diversified public markets portfolio. So there's different brains managing different components. And doing that is a very effective way of growing your net worth once you get to that level. And then you also want to make sure you have family office quality service providers as you get to that 5 to $10 million net worth. Because they shouldn't just be a cost. They should be an investment you get an ROI out of. And your attorney should give you creative structures for your deals. Your tax planner should help you proactively plan things out, et cetera. Makes complete sense. And I was just thinking through the listener who, you know, they're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, you know, I'm right around $10 million, $12 million net worth. Maybe I should be considering this. This makes sense to me. Should they consider something like the multifamily office like you're talking about? Or if not, they say, you know what, I don't want to have the multifamily office. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to go ahead and start my own. Who should be their first hire? Great question. Part of it depends on who they have within their operating businesses. If you have sold off your company and that's why you're ultra wealthy, you kind of have to start from scratch. Otherwise, some people will have their operating business and just hire a really powerful CFO within that operating business. But if a lot of their net worth is represented within that manufacturing company or consumer products company, then that CFO is effectively overlooking their offensive part of their portfolio, right? So you can beef up the team within your operating business as part of this strategy. And it's really important to have excellent CFO controller, excellent wealth advisor who understands a virtual family, what a virtual family office is. We've met with over a thousand such wealth advisors, and we just work with three that work with different size families. So if anyone needs a connection there, we're happy to do that. And while we used to charge a three or $4,000 a month retainer to help set up family offices, we just do it for free now. We teach this at our workshops for those people that are raising capital. But the most important thing is to add value to an investor and build that relationship. And once you know and have helped them put their family office together and help them define their direct investment strike zone, 
well, then you know exactly what to bring to them because you know what hits that strike zone. So the priorities of a family, though, are going to determine who they may need to hire most, right? So a real estate family is going to hire someone different than someone who has like a publicly traded company in a consumer product space. The most important thing is not the first person to hire. The most important thing is to identify your values, your objectives, your priorities, where you want to be in the future and not spend any money or hire anybody or invest in anything until you know the mission of your family, your values and priorities and your culture and your wealth creation story. Because otherwise you're going to hire the wrong person or waste money or someone's going to create a game plan for you that's good for them and not for you. And you'll be wasting time and money if you don't really identify what your family stands for. You won't know who to hire and fire or even where to base your family office. Love that. A priority of the family will determine who they hire first. And that's going to dictate so much of that family office or how they're investing or how they're protecting what they're doing and thinking long term. On that thought, what are most of these families planning for? You know, are they planning because I've learned more about this recently as well. Are they planning for five years, 10 years, 100 years, 200 years? How do they think about that as they're you know, contemplating these decisions and building this family office? Yeah, some people say they plan for a couple hundred years out, but I don't know. I don't think it's too realistic with too many. Some might have the intent for their family wealth to still be around in 100 years, but most families I work with are planning out their investments over the next 10 to 15 years in terms of building out their platform realistically on a practical basis. You know, they know that a lot is going to change over three to five years, but they'll do some things that would only make sense if you cared about what happens the next 10 or 15 or 20 years in terms of estate planning or building a platform company in a new niche. They know that is a a little bit early right now, but they think will pay off in the future. So that's kind of the the sort of timelines that that we see, but they are very long-term minded compared to most investors. They don't have to worry about getting fired like an endowment fund person if something takes a while to pay out. And they can be more patient than others. They don't have to allocate any capital, but they can be more agile and aggressive if they want to as well. So they have that that flexibility. Who is a family office looking to work with? Obviously, most of our listeners are going to be in commercial real estate, right? And, And mostly multifamily, but many listen that are in different asset classes, you know, in commercial real estate. With that in mind, are family offices looking for, I assume they are probably, but how does this work as far as looking for good operators that are doing commercial deals that they can partner with or invest in? Can you talk through that process a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the process is messy. It's inefficient. That's why they come to our events, other people's events, et cetera. They usually invest through referrals or who they've seen speak at an event or just who they've gotten to know over a couple of years, maybe. They would rather invest with someone that they trust 100% high conviction that only gets them at 14% IRR than invest with someone who just seems a little bit like greasy or like too stressed out or just not their type of person that promises a 20% IRR and has a great track record. They'd rather go with someone that their gut really trusts. So it's really important to adding value first to a family, focus on building a relationship. And, you know, we recently you know, close a $300 million deal. And one of our clients recently closed a $40 million deal. And if you're listening to this on the capital raising side, then it takes 400 investors at $100,000 a piece to equal $40 million. So it's worth putting in a lot of time. You can spend 400 times more time than on one small investor. And on the investor side of things, I think it's important to remember that in every niche, in every food group, 
self-storage, multifamily, et cetera. There's hundreds and hundreds of operators and sponsors. And if you ask around, the same name may pop up over time. And if you see who you could easily meet in person with many times and go see the properties in person and get to know the character of who the leaders really are. And then when you can, custom structured deals. So the structure is superior to the standard one that's being offered and never trust a big chunk of your money with any one of those operators. You can spread your money out with three different sponsors and self-storage and four different people in multifamily, et cetera. So I would just tell people to be patient and build those relationships on the investor side until you really are high conviction in those, those managers. What about a couple examples or ways that you've seen people add that value to a family office to start building that relationship like you're talking about? One good example is I moved here to Scottsdale last year. And the first week I was here, I was getting my car service somewhere and I saw their business model was really unique. And it was well-branded and I looked on their website and they had 20 some locations. So I cold messaged the founder via LinkedIn and I said, Oh, it looks like you're expanding quickly. I assume that you're raising capital and giving away equity every time that you open one of these locations. I have an investment structure that would protect you from dilutions. You don't have to give away any equity and you can still raise the capital you need, the equity capital you need to, to grow faster. And they responded the same day. And I've met in person with them and met in person with their board. And they've had a hundred million plus exit to a large bank recently, et cetera. So that was an example of one way. Other ways are connecting families to each other. Another way is helping them create a family office or just connect them to a service provider or two that they know. And then if you look at where a family created their wealth and it's in some niche like stem cells or venture capital, et cetera, then you might think who's the most valuable person you know in that niche, what project are they working on? And then just don't just randomly connect people, but have it be more meaningful. Like why would they connect and what is the project exactly where one person would put capital in the others, or one person could employ the son of the other person to give them an internship or something like that. So hopefully that gets the wheels turning for some people. Awesome. Richard, it's been an honor to get to meet you finally and, and have you on the show. I know the listeners and I both have learned a lot about family offices. So many details that I'm so thankful came out during the interview, but even some more personal stuff about self-discipline and obviously the dashboard one pager, which I encourage listeners to, if you missed that part, I mean, you, you go back and listen to that with a special offer. So I'm just grateful uh, for you being so transparent and willing to share and helping so many people, you know, getting into this industry and learning these things. Tell them though, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you and the Family Office Club. Yeah, just uh, three quick places. Somebody's here because they're raising capital. Then just go to capitalraising.com. We have a free book for you there. If you're curious about family offices and you want to learn a lot about that and see one of our live events, et cetera, we do 15 live events a year. That's at familyoffices.com. And we've got a whole bunch of free stuff on there. That's our whole business model is to help people out. And then if they want to join as a member, we have a $99 trial for new members that are raising capital and it's free for investors. And then the last place is investorclub.com. If you're a passive investor and you want to see the best of the best investments that we see out of a thousand plus deals a year or work with us in some way as an investor, just go sign up at investorclub.com and it's free to join. There's no annual fee. There's no fee when you invest. We do a deal together. It's just a small profit share on the back end. I know at this point you are learning a lot about family offices and maybe even considering starting your own. Well, 
Join us again tomorrow as Richard and I continue the conversation. He provides a ton of value about starting that family office, even the first employee that maybe you should think about hiring and how to think through that if you're someone who needs a family office, but then also as an operator, talking through that relationship and what that should look like. He also provides some details at the end that's more personal to Richard and how he stays so self-disciplined. And I also made an offer to you, the listener, that I want you to ensure that you hear. I want to ensure that you hear it because I want you to take some action after listening to the steps that Richard lays out at the end. So join us tomorrow as Richard and I continue the conversation. 